Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschbach. And this is your favorite part of the podcast, Matt Golden. And this week we are talking about Solo. Is that a breakup or is that the movie? Because I broke up with my girlfriend for this podcast. Please tell me it was worth it. Yeah, it's totally worth it. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're talking about the movie, aren't we? Yeah, and I feel like anytime we talk about a Star Wars movie, I have to say that Star Wars just has a rich history in comics, which is why we're talking about it on this podcast. Yeah, it's 100% justified. It is a Marvel comic. It was with Dark Horse before. Get off my dick. And by the way, spoiler alert. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, I was all over it this time. Okay, so. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. No, no, yeah. Ask a question. No, you said last week that like you now go into movies with lower Exceedingly low expectations. expectations. Yeah, completely. Is, is that how you felt going into this one too beforehand? There are there were a lot of mixed reviews that I heard. I didn't really read a ton of reviews. I just kind of looked at scores. Um, the last thing I saw before I went to the theater was an audience score of fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So my expectations were definitely lowered. Even though there was a fifty five percent chance that you would like the movie, there was a fifty five percent chance that I would like the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was actually when it was announced, I was not excited for it. When it took forever to have a trailer for it, I wasn't excited when they fired uh, Miller and Lord from the project. I lost enthusiasm for it. But I eventually softened to it. I was really hoping for something that would cleanse my palate after The Last Jedi. Which I loved. Alex did not love. Um, the last so- uh, solo Star Wars movie, uh, Rogue One, I think we both liked it a lot it was one of my favorite star wars films yeah i think rogue one has been the best out of this new wave of star wars films so far uh you're wrong but i i (laughs) I respect your opinion i I suppose uh but yeah you're right it it was it was definitely up there what was was, uh your audience like for the film Uh, i went and saw it on memorial day and i didn't really realize it was memorial day um (laughs) I went into a dusky, stinky movie theater. So you went to the same one I did. <laughs> yeah, probably. I went to the three o'clock showing. I was at the noon one. Oh, we just missed so each other. Close, so close. I almost went to that one too. That would have been funny. But there was obviously more people there than I realized. And then I quickly realized, I was like, oh, it's Memorial Day. That's why there's 40 people in this tiny yeah. movie theater. And for that theater, that's a pretty good crowd too. That's a massive crowd for a Monday show. Yeah. Yeah. But you had no problems. Everyone actually behaved themselves this time around. There was no clapping, which uh, was rare for a Star Wars thing for me. But keep in mind, I typically see these Star Wars films the day they come out. I don't wait around to go see my Star Wars movies. I want them ASAP. It would have been more awkward if I could throw his clapping at a 3 o'clock Monday show. (laughs) That would have been really fucking weird. You're not not wrong. But I did see Last Jedi twice in theaters. And the second time was a weird showing and people clapped. And I was just... That's strange. Yeah. I'm puzzled. Yeah, I'd be curious to see who clapped for that movie, too. Yeah, uh, not anybody I want to hang out with outside <laughs> of the movie. I can tell you that much. Okay, so why don't you just give me your initial impressions after seeing the film? Do you want me to just break it down for you? A, a quick synopsis of right. what you thought. How about I just tell you where it ranks among the new wave Star Wars films? Okay. The last, it's the bottom. It is good. It's not great. It's mediocre. I would put it at second for me. Really? Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. I have a game plan for you a but little of course, later on. But I, I wonder if that speaks to the fact that like you like The Last Jedi so much. Yeah. And I hated The Last Jedi. You didn't, so. you didn't like either of the the continuations of the trilogy. No, I, I enjoyed The Force Awakens. Uh, I, but you'd I, still put it below Solo? I, I'd put it be- below Solo. Is okay. Because as much as I enjoyed The Force Awakens, I, I, I think, do think the criticism of it being a retread of a lot of stuff is warranted. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie. But if I want that experience, I'll just watch the original trilogy instead of watching The Force Awakens. This movie takes place between episodes uh, two and three. Three and four. Three and four. Uh, Are you sure about that? Almost positive because of someone's age in the film. Okay. But I, I could be wrong. It's it's either two and three yeah. or three and four. Um, I'll definitely concede that point. Um, however, it, it really maps out some stuff. And I think I... I think just because of some of the things that you've seen and because your love of Star Wars sometimes surpasses mine, you've watched the Star Wars Rebels, you've watched... Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Um, I've I read think all the it, Marvel comics. I think it ties in a little better for you than it might for me, so I, I definitely admit to there being some, yeah, some there gaps was, in my knowledge. Yeah, where, there was one moment there that, if you're a Clone Wars fan, uh, the... Animated show, not the movie. Are you talking uh, about the ending with the big reveal? Yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I actually, oh yeah, I'll talk about that too later. Yeah, actually, and I don't know how you thought, but the, the movie opens with Han Solo running away on a speeder on Corellia, which is a new planet, I believe, with none of the Star Wars theme music, which pissed me off to no <laughs> end. Um, and they did stick to the word that it didn't get to crawl. Only the numbered films are going to get a crawl, but it did open with. A little bit of backstory on the screen. And again, none of the bum, 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 bum. And that fucking irritated me from the <laughs> second that the movie started. And But basically, Han Solo is a street rat. He's basically Aladdin. Kind of like you, right? Uh-huh. Just a street urchin. And he's in love with this girl named Kira, played by Amelia Clark. And they're basically under the hold or the wrath of this tunnel worm. This tunnel worm who runs a basically a newsies type pickpocket ring on, on Corellia of children. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you think of this opening scene? Because I thought it was slow personally. I felt the exact same way. Okay, uh, the the movie didn't didn't do anything for me there. It, it didn't really get started. It, it didn't make me care about young Han Solo at that moment. I did enjoy the moment where he. Uh, where he threw the rock through the window. I thought that was kind of cool, even though it was kind of weird that that creature's weakness was sunlight. But, you know, but yeah. I understand why. And I did I did enjoy the, the creature whose name escapes me right now. It was basically this giant worm creature living in a pool. I thought that was something that we hadn't seen often in the Star Wars film. So I like that original type of creature being added to the universe. But how lame was that? All he had to do was expose this thing to sunlight, and it was toasted. And how dumb for this massively powerful creature to live in literally a glass house. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she should live to where the tunnels were, where there was no light. Uh, I thought it was a little uncreative, yeah. honestly, but I mean, we do learn like why they can't just leave one because they're dirt poor. Yep. Uh, but Han has a plan to get them off planet, but the planet is under Imperial control. So they can't just leave and fly away. But eventually Han and Kira, acquire a small tube of coaxium by stealing it from their previous employers. And they basically plan to get off planet by bribing Imperial officers. Yep. Uh, they start getting off while they're being chased. Like they're not like masturbating, but they, 
they tried to escape the planet. Maybe they were masturbating. I wasn't paying close enough attention, I don't think. And again, this this didn't really do it for me. I, I, I thought it was a little bit more interesting. Did you see where this was going the whole time? Sort of. I mean, in a way, what do you think when Han, the, essentially the, the two get split up, but uh, and she gets taken by the Empire, and that's the last we see of her for at least then for a while. But Han, in order to escape, decides to become an Imperial pilot. What do you think of that? Uh, I thought it was a little bit of slander. Like Han Solo, the greatest rebel force, is in the Imperial Army. Not for just a short amount of time. He's in there for three fucking years. What do you think about how he got his name? Uh, okay, so backing up again. When they get split up, he joins the Imperial Army. And he says that he's by himself. And he just tells the guy's name's Han. He's like, all right, your name's Han Solo because you're by yourself. I thought that was cool. There's a lot of little tidbits like that um, that and little nuggets that I really, really fucking enjoyed. I thought that they were really cool and tied some stuff together. Not that I was wondering how Han Solo got his name, but it was cool that they made that a thing. And he gives this speech to the enlistment officer talking about how he's going to be the greatest pilot in the galaxy. And then like Matt said, it cuts three years later and he's just some grunt troop in the infantry. Yeah. Fighting in a muddy gray war. They have no idea what's going on or what the objective is except to stamp out rebel forces. So, I mean, it's clear that something went wrong. For him. Uh, yeah, and he starts being sassy-ass Han Solo and talking back to the uh, Imperial captain who's in charge of him. And I thought that was okay. But I, again, I was just like, let's get to it. Let's get to something yeah. that's and interesting. Then this, to me, is when the film picks up, is when he first encounters Tobias Beckett and his crew and learns that they're thieves uh, on a job. And Tobias Beckett is played Woody Harrelson. His crew is also Val, played by Thenny Newton, and Rio Durant. Which John is a CGI Favreau. character, but voiced by John Favreau. Yep, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> and Favreau, of course, is doing the Star Wars television show for the Disney streaming service whenever that comes out. Who's the one in charge of the, the next trilogy? Ryan Johnson, right? Ryan Johnson. Okay. Abrams is doing the next trilogy film, and then they gave Ryan Johnson his own trilogy to work with. But episode nine is done by uh, Abrams. Okay. Let's uh, let's jump ahead because we're reviewing here. We're not just going to tell you literally everything that happens in the movie. So cut to Woody Harrelson sells out Han Solo to the Imperial people uh, after Han tries to kind of blackmail them. And Han gets thrown into a Rancor-like prison. With a very muddy Wookiee. With a very muddy Wookiee. And here comes one of my absolute favorite parts of the movie, if not my favorite part of the movie, how Han meets Chewbacca. Totally fucking cool. And we learn that uh, Chewbacca is a prisoner, and basically they just threw deserters into their, or turncoats into the pit to be have their arms ripped off by Chewbacca. Yeah, and just be Who's, devoured by yeah. this bloody Wookiee. But they get away because Han speaks a little bit of Wookiee. Yep. And that's how they bond, and they escape together. I did enjoy the scene where they finally escape, and they're running away, and Han's trying to get him to go one way, but Chewbacca is so much faster, stronger, and bigger that he just runs, and Han just falls to the ground, just yeah. covered in dirt, being dragged along. Uh, that was a, a nice touch. But essentially, Han wants to reunite with Beckett and his crew to try and get a score so we can go back to Corellia to try and save Kira and reunite with his love. Uh, I thought that you go that this way, I'll go the other way. It was It just happened in Infinity War. With uh, yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy meeting Thanos. So it just happened. So I wasn't that <laughs> impressed by it. I mean, it's it's not a bad joke or anything, but. So what do you think yeah. of Alden Eric, whose last name I can't pronounce, life of me, but what do you think of his performance as Solo? 
eh. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Very meh. Especially in the beginning. Like, I didn't like his performance at all. I, I thought as the film went on, he grew into it a little bit more. Or maybe the character became more Han-like towards the end. But I just thought he was adequate. And it, and also this, he had a, a like almost, an almost impossible job to do. He, to try and live up to one of the most iconic characters in genre film history. His job was impossible. He did not do it. It was clearly an impossible job. He did as good as he could have, and he did a great job acting. But he, in my mind, did not live up to the voice of the Han Solo. He sounded whiny at times. And I mean, I did like them casting someone who's not a big name in Hollywood for that role. I thought that was the better option to go, but it was still a really hard task. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about the guy that played Chewbacca? Do you think he did a good job? Yeah, uh, I thought he did just fine. Same. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about another big character, somebody that we've seen before in the films, Lando Calrissian, played by uh, Childish Gambino himself, Donald Glover. Played by Donald Glover. There's no relation, as he let us know in the song Sunshine. Okay, <laughs> Two different people. I've never seen them in the same room at the same time. See, and this is where I would say that I thought Donald Glover was fantastic as Lando. Like, it really felt... He really embodied, like, not just the character of Lando, but a little bit of Billy D. Williams' personality, too. He said he has the Billy D. Williams voice down to a T. Voice, the mannerisms, just, yep. it, it was, it was fantastic. The cadence in which he spoke. Yes. It yeah. was fan. It was The way all he delivered great. lines, his hesitation for certain things. The uh, cockiness, the suave. The way everything. he wore the capes. Yeah. Yeah. There were some, some Which, great jokes about the capes. Yeah, it was, we just see this moment where Kira's in the Falcon, and she goes into Lando's closet, and it's just nothing but capes lined up all around the closet, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's when she's finger-blasting Han's beehole, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was when that was going on. But I don't know how you feel, but now I believe that anytime any of these like, one-off films come out, I just think, oh, it's going to be like Rogue One, where everyone's going to end up dying. And pretty soon, this film has, oh, I feel like, is this Rogue One moment pretty early because Han and Chewie are with the Beckett and his crew. They're about to score a huge, huge amount of coaxium. Which is like cocaine, right? <laughs> it's fuel, but close. <laughs> ah, Think like the war for oil. Cocaine's like fuel for people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, but, and then a group of marauders comes in to try and stop Beckett uh, and his crew. And so basically... Val sacrifices herself to save them. Rio gets shot and dies. And I was like, okay, so this is what we do now inside the new Star Wars universe. Everybody uh, just fucking dies all yeah, the time. Yeah, anytime there's a cool character, that, and it's not it's not one of the numbered films, they just die. How do you feel about the deaths? Now I'm okay with it more. But at the time I was like, I want to see, I want to know more about Val. I want to know more about Rio. Like, I just got introduced these characters. I started to like them. And then you just killed them all. Well, here's the here's the the really really shitty part that I think uh, Ron Howard specifically did a terrible job on. I think Rio, the character played uh, by John Favreau, he basically is like, yeah, I'm I'm just a I don't need any ladies in my life. I'm I'm a, I'm perfectly fine being all alone or whatever. And then like during his death scene, he's like, Han, I shouldn't be dying alone. I wish I had somebody else. Bleh, I'm dead. Actually, pretty soon after this, what takes me to like. One of my least favorite parts in the film, and that I think could have been changed. We learn that Beckett was actually hired by the syndicate Crimson Dawn to steal the coaxium uh, for Dryden Voss. And basically, uh, the crime syndicate families, like you saw in the original trilogy, Jabba the Hutt was part of a crime syndicate family. We've seen it throughout the expanded universe, too. 
But Wait, we, was that Job of the Hut? Was he played by um, <laughs> the guy that did The Sopranos? It, it was. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, um, but Tony Soprano. Basically, and I thought this was a cool moment, like when Han just wants to run, so they can't find him, and Beckett's like, "No, like we don't need to run. We can go to them, try and talk it out of it." Or Han says to talk him out of it. But then we see that they found them. Crimson Dawn arrives on the planet with their giant luxury ship, and they board it. But aboard the ship. Han runs into Kira. And I thought when they reunited, it was such a mild reaction. Like, it should be like, holy crap. The universe is literally infinite and massive. I just happened to run into you on this ship after my entire life's goal has been to get back to you. And it was like some excitement and a hug, but it should have been massive. It should have been like screaming at the rooftops, throwing glasses against the wall. Just an unbridled excitement. Yeah, it should have been, but it was more like you see this, you like... Instagram stalked this chick yep. and you followed her to a bar and you tapped on her shoulder like, what's up? Hey, it, it, didn't it, expect to see you here, babe. It, it's like things like an old friend from high school that like you weren't close enough to stay in touch with post high school, but you, you see them around like at a club or at a restaurant. You just have some friendly banter for a bit. Not the woman that your entire life's goal is to rob Coaxium from the empire to get back to her. Risk your fucking life. Watch multiple people die, and then just are like, "Hey, sup, sup, hottie? What's up, shouty?" But that's when we get introduced to pretty soon afterwards. Dryden Voss, played by Paul Bettany, the villain of the film, the head of the Crimson Dawn. What do you think of Dryden Voss? He had some sweet ass face scars. Yeah. End of sentence. I I, I thought Bettany's performance was fine. Yeah, he was good. Uh, I didn't think Dryden Voss was a great villain. I think part of that was just to. He he doesn't get a lot of screen time, for one. So it's hard to be a menacing villain if you're not on screen all that much. And he he just didn't... like He, he didn't seem threatening and powerful, but not in a way that I was like, oh my god, everyone's life is in danger. It was almost like, here's a crime boss for the sake that we have to have a crime boss. Yeah. I mean... Not that, I did, no it, knock to Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany did just fine. Yeah. But it didn't... Uh, it just felt like a, a lame footnote in the movie, in the movie. And to quickly jump ahead and we'll jump back, but I did like it whenever he died that cause his character has these deep red scars. I like when they faded completely to white. I thought it was like a nice touch. Cause I, I couldn't, if, if dried Voss, I assume he's supposed to be an alien race. I, I couldn't tell what he was supposed to be or if it was ever said. No, they definitely didn't say but whatever race he was. His little office was cool because it had all these artifacts and there's Mandalorian armor in the background, which is what yeah. Boba Fett wears uh, famously. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Boba Fett, do you think this movie's legit for real? It hasn't been a hundred percent announced, but supposedly there's a director attached to it. Yeah. If James Mangold does it, who did Logan, then I'm all on board. Yeah, I figured as much. Cool. Moving on. So we got some Lando shit to talk about, bruh. Yeah. Essentially, in order after the, what we have coming up, it's a lot of famous moments from Han's history, which you hear him talk about in the original trilogy. But after they agreed agree to get more coaxium for Dryden Voss. They decide to go to a mining plant against raw form and then get it contained another planet because that'd be the easiest way without having to rob the empire or screw other people and other crime syndicates over. So, so real quick, like you mentioned, Lando's all of Lando's mentioned moments that happen in the original Star Wars trilogy, you see all of them take place and really not much else from Lando, and it kind of makes you think, oh, is this the only interaction that Han and Lando had ever? Yeah. I mean, it's it really does kind of seem like that. Do you think that they could have reached at more shit, or do you think that they were just trying to 
Because, I mean, you see I the Kessel run it, yeah. get done. You watch him win the ship out of, you know, Lando's yeah. possession there at the end. Yeah, I, I thought Clover was fantastic. And I always like more later after that performance. But I think they put him in enough times because this is supposed to be Han Solo's story. You don't want to have a character who people might find more interesting and steal away from that character. And I do think that I did set it up that they still have more interactions through the future. And I thought there was that great line, too, that talked about how he hates mining planets, but then he ends up running Cloud City. And so it'd be interesting to find how he got from having that belief to running Cloud City, too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, supposedly, I mean, there's like there's words out in the bush that there's going to be some Lando in the in the future. We'll see. Yeah, I suppose. Do you want to get to the big reveal of this film? Uh, yeah, go ahead. So, skipping all the way to the ending after Dryden Voss is killed. Which, real quick on that, I I hated that Kira for whatever reason like shoved Han out of the way and killed Dryden himself herself because there was no reason for that there's absolutely no reason for, for that to happen no there's so much stuff at the end of this movie that i think there's absolutely no reason for and that's one of the reasons why i just thought it was so mediocre but we're also I should say that uh beckett he's actually an infiltrator working for Dryden the entire time there's like six double crosses that yeah. happen here right at the end of the movie which make it interesting i guess yeah. but there's just a lot of double crossing that just happens back to back to back to back but essentially beckett Takes Quaxium, uh, makes Chewbacca carry off the ship. So it's Dryden, Solo, and Kira. Kira ends up killing Dryden after they all fight. And Solo goes to go after Beckett. And Kira says she'll be on her way. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, you're probably like, what the fuck are they talking <laughs> about? Um, But yeah, so the big reveal at the end of the film, uh, Kira tells Han to just go ahead and and leave, basically. I'll be right there. Which you're like, oh, she's definitely not going to be right there. And then she uh, calls up her boss on the telephone. Because it was hinted that they were working for someone else earlier in the film. Yeah, it, it's teased that they're working for somebody else. And it turns out it's Darth Maul, who yes. I, I suppose, if you paid close enough attention, which I didn't at the time, has metal legs. Yes. Which is a throw to Clone Wars, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's all yeah. from the Clone Wars, the basically the Darth Maul episodes, which are all excellent. Which, if I'm not mistaken, take place between episodes two and three. Yes, those take place Boom. between two and three. But Darth Maul looks to be a lot older than or in Solo than he does. In uh, the Clone Wars. And he's also the fact that he has a giant Crimson Dawn pendant on, which he wasn't a part of Crimson Dawn in Clone Wars either. Uh, he also has a blood bandana on as well that is tied pretty gangster style around his And his head. lightsaber is different too, I believe. Yeah, his uh, lightsaber was a little different. Uh, but, but that was the big reveal at and the it, end. He was played by Ray Park again, who played him in the uh, Phantom Menace. He was also voiced by Sam Witwer, who voiced him in the Clone Wars TV show. Yep. And Sam Witwer's had a... He also played Starkiller in the Force Unleashed video games, too. So he's had some history with Star Wars. And Darth Maul. Yeah, which so I thought it was cool that they brought him back to play it. And it was nice, too, because the Clone Wars are considered canon in this universe. Yeah, which leads us to the lamest moment of the film, where Kira, played by Amelia Clark, who does an okay job, uh, just takes off and leaves Han and Chewie there. And then that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the fucking movie. She's just like, all right, bye. <laughs> yeah, she peaced out. The worst part about that, though, is that I just wanted more Darth Maul immediately. Yeah, but, oh, definitely. And my jaw was on the floor. I was so fucking excited. And then it was just over in just like the lamest way. I think, and I know like you're at the bottom of the film, but this film underperformed at the box office 
uh, it's still made a lot of money, underperformed their ex- below their expectations. But oh, instead of so many interesting threads that like I like I want to see these continued. Yeah, I want to see more Lando. I want to see more Darth Maul. And I'd like, like to see more like Solo and Chewie in their adventures before they hook up with Luke uh, in the in the cantina. Yeah, you uh, you played with my parts under the table, and then you just like stopped, and you just like left the restaurant. Why are we at a restaurant, and why are you touching me? I don't know, but that's how I felt like. I was like, you just gave me a big tease here. It almost felt like Batman versus Superman. Like, here's the. Here's the tease for something way cooler coming later. Hold on, I promise you'll get the big release later on. Sure. <laughs> I mean, does it not feel like that a little bit? I mean, bit? you definitely want more. Okay, but let me just jump into this. Who was your favorite character out of the new characters? Actually, no, it can be anyone because technically everyone's playing someone new. Lando's fucking great. Lando's the best, yeah. What about out of the characters that were introduced for this film for the first time? Oh, the Marauder Girl. Yeah. Oh my God, she was great. I loved it. In his nest. Yes. Uh, it And her, her first fight in scene his nest, yeah. uh, with Beckett was, was really cool on top of the train. Showed her just, I mean, take him out with ease. Like, it showed her, her swordsmanship with uh, with whatever blade she was using. Yeah, really cool. she had a, she was a heel for most of the movie and then turned out to be a good guy. Right around the time when everybody was good and turned to bad and bad and turned to good. I will say too, like I loved Beckett. Uh, I thought Woody Harrelson was great in that role. I hate that they killed him because I want to know more of Beckett. There was a Marvel comic about Beckett coming out in August. I think it's a six issue miniseries. Don't care. They killed Tandy Newton, who is again. This just plays into my thinking that HBO controls the world with her being Maeve in Westworld. But I wanted more Val, and then she dies immediately as soon as the film starts. My favorite character that was actually L three. The new droid played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I did not care for uh, L3. Who they also killed. Like, that's, yeah, that's what they thank do. Thank God. Uh, I loved L3 because whenever... My favorite scene in the entire movie is whenever L3 starts that riot in the bridge. You just see the robots or the droids just stomping on the controls and just poking them. And she's talking about how she found her purpose. Like, I, I thought that was great. And of course, this being Star Wars, this being a new character on a film, if the character finds their purpose, they're going to die. It reminded me way too much of rogue one and oh hey here's this droid that says really mean things they remind you of the ewok party in return of the jedi it reminded me more she reminded me more of the star wars christmas special that was just shit i did not care for this that was easily chewbacca's best (laughs) storyline yeah without a doubt it really was i i just did not care for it i did not care for this droid i disagree entirely like we mentioned this film underperformed at the box office but I think that's not. Uh, I think that's not an indictment on the quality of the film at all. I think it's entirely Disney's fault for where they place the film. Oh yeah, I don't think it has anything to. to uh, there's no knock on on the movie itself for how it did at the box office. It came out less than a month after Infinity War and the week after Deadpool. Everybody who's just been to the movie twice yeah, in a matter of exactly. three weeks. Yeah, I've heard about that too. Like someone, I've heard someone working for Disney actually talking about they didn't take into account just viewer fatigue. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you said, people saw Deadpool last week. People saw Infinity War a couple weeks ago. You're at the tail end of this. If you were at the, the forefront of it, then you wouldn't have this issue. And this but, is the first Star Wars film, too, that they haven't released during the holiday season. 
Yeah. Which it, I feel like if they had, it would have killed it because you don't have any blockbusters really around that time. Yeah. You just have the. You film. maybe compete against three films that are not nearly on the scale of no. the ones you just. Films trying to get award nominations around that time. Yeah, yeah. You'd be totally fine. And then one adaptation of a YA novel. So. Yep. Um, so I have a game to play for you, Alex. Okay. Uh, so real quick before we get into my game here, uh, give me a give me what you give solo on a scale of one to ten. I'd give it around a seven. Okay, I'd give it a six. Uh, I think it's the most rewatchable out of any of the uh, recency bias out of any of the new Star Wars films. Okay, um, thank you for your terrible and wrong opinion. I have a game for you. Now. Okay, this game is called What's Worse. It's a very, very simple game. Uh I will give you two things. One is related to the film and one is something else. And you're going to tell me what's worse. Feel free to give me as long or as short as an explanation as you'd like. Okay. What's worse? Uh, The untimely death of Paul Walker or how mildly boring Han was in this film. How mildly boring Han was in this film. Yeah, it's way worse, right? Yeah, because I don't like I don't like any of the Fast and Furious movies, really. So. R.I.P. Paul Walker, I love you. Uh, you didn't deserve that, but you know. Eh. Okay, what's worse, Alex? Uh, the sinking of the Titanic or the pointlessness of the ending of this movie? See, that's that's a tough one, but I'm gonna have to say the sinking of the Titanic because Give me a then because then we got the film Titanic because of it, and then I had to go see it in theaters when it got re-released because it's my one of my last favorite movies of all time. So I saw it in the IMAX. It was me and four other women who all started crying once the opening credit song started playing. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that was only two hours of my life, and I still remember it vividly. <laughs> it sounds awful. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, what's worse? Uh, the Black Death or Ron Howard's insistence on having his brother in every film he does? Uh, the Black Death. I love Clint Howard. I would put Clint Howard in everything. I would have passed <laughs> Clint Howard as Solo. <laughs> Oh, I would see that movie 40 times in theaters. Don't you ever besmirch Clint <laughs> Howard around me ever again. You you actually, that was the correct answer. That's the only one that has a definitive right or wrong answer, and you nailed it. Okay. Uh, what's worse? The, dis- the disappearance of uh, JonBenet Ramsey or the overall mediocrity of this movie? Well, to be fair, they did find JonBenet <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Just not in the state that, that they were hoping for. <laughs> So I would say probably the disappearance of John Bonet was worse because one, a small child died and Oh, her brother totally killed her. And it caused a media circus. And it's Are crazy. you saying the media circus was worse than this or <laughs> I'm saying all of it. Okay, just as a whole. It. Okay. Alright, I've got one last one for you. Okay. What's worse? Uh finding out that your favorite show Roseanne just got cancelled or how slow the start of this movie was. How slow the start of this movie was. I disagree. It, it, it's way worse than finding out my favorite show, Roseanne, just got canceled. Uh, yeah, it was. I'm sure it was a real death blow to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Well, I think about wraps it up for this week's <laughs> Henchman of Comics. As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. You can find us at uh, Xtube, porn videos, um, why are you in my butt.com, all those websites. We're in, we're in none of those places. Well, I am on the message boards every day. Uh, I guess you can find me and Alex as a team on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Don't forget to like and subscribe and download all of our podcasts. Uh, Go back to everyone but like the first three or four. (laughs) Those are crap. 
download everything after that. And next week, we should have an episode about a few new number ones that are coming out in the comic book world. Yes. But for Hinchman Comics, I'm Alex Ashback. And I am definitely not Han Solo. Hinchman ain't easy.